49-17 is what I'm hoping for. Something close to that, Jeremy. Or less, 49 to 10. That, I'll take that. Oh, it's 70 to nothing. <laughs> this is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Back for another Maddich Monday. He is ESPN's Trevor Maddich. Trevor, how are you this fine Monday morning or Monday afternoon, depending am, on where you are? Right. I might be in Guam. Who knows? You are sporting some awesome colors there, Spencer. I mean, the last team I played for in the league, Washington, I'm loving the burgundy. Hey, this was purposeful for you and for the Washington Commanders punt returner tonight, Dax Milne. I'm rocking that number 15 behind me on this jersey. Very nice. I like it. You know what? He's been a valuable player for them because he has been secure for them. They can trust him. They know what he can do, and he gives them what he can do every time. And you can plan around a player like that. Yeah, huge asset to just have some reliable hands back there for sure. And we look forward to seeing what Dax can do against the, or the Philadelphia Eagles tonight. Trevor, as BYU begins the Utah Tech Week and are one win away from bowl eligibility, what are you hoping to see from Dax Milne's former team and a bunch of his colleagues on this BYU football program over the final two weeks of the regular season? To treat them like they're both the national championship game. And that means in practice, like they're practicing for the national championship game. So many of BYU's problems this year, as I look at the game tape, look to me as a player like guys weren't practicing the way they needed to, not just from a physical standpoint, more from a mental standpoint, because mental mistakes started some snowballs rolling against BYU this year that led to some real problems to have to overcome. And some of those problems, they weren't, over, they weren't able to overcome by the time the game ended. And so what I want to see in these last two games are do the right thing in the right way and especially beyond anything else, because this is a bigger picture, 30,000-foot culture thing, stay together. They did that against Boise State. It would have been easy to go up there and, and kind of point fingers and turn on each other a little bit, but they didn't. They drew together, and they need to keep doing that the last two weeks of the regular season and then the bowl if they make it. It, and they're going to make it. Uh, they're going to beat Utah Tech and then make it. Um, it, it okay. They go to a bowl. <laughs> it's a given. Come on. Uh, if BYU wins out and they go 8-5, and five, did they salvage something, or is it still disappointing? You can't undo the disappointments that have occurred this season. And, again, a lot of those are self-inflicted, and that's really unfortunate. No matter what happens going forward to finish the season, they can't undo that. But remember that it's easy when it's easy. And so when they're rolling and they're doing great and they're playing competitively against every top team they play and they're, they're waxing every team they should crush, all that stuff, you're on a roll and it's fun and it's great. It's easy when that happens. When things break down and when you're not getting the results you want and when there's negativity swirling around you, certainly from the outside in, if not in that building, it's a lot harder. So that's, that's where they've been up until that Boise State game with four straight losses. And so I think the, the way to define this BYU football team and the way it will be defined will be how they do over the next three games and how they, how they perform. That doesn't necessarily mean win them all. It would sure be nice if they did. But perform up to the capabilities that they have based on what they're being asked to do. And if they do that, then you can say about this team that even though things went south for a month, they rallied, they stayed together, and they showed you what BYU culture is 
And that would be a legacy to be proud of. ESPN's Trevor Maddich is on BYU Sports Nation. Trevor, because BYU's roster is going to look so drastically different at some notable positions next year when they go into the Big 12 with the likely loss of Jaron Hall to the draft, and then Puka Nakua is probably going to go to the draft, Blake Freeland, Clark, Blank, Clark Barrington. There are a number of guys that have really, really good shots to break into the NFL draft. Because it's so different, how much do you buy into the idea that BYU's program can create some momentum in the final weeks going into the Big 12? I think they can. And I think it's because even if the two offensive linemen that you mentioned declare, and I think certainly Freeland will, and he probably should. Barrington, you know, he might want to kick out the left tackle. He's 6'6", 305, playing guard. And so the, he might have more of an incentive to come back. But it, on offense, I think you'll still have an offensive line, regardless of what those two guys do. That'll be solid. You will have an outstanding young receiving core. And even if Jaron goes off to the NFL, then you've still got an incentive for the guys that are there and transfers to come in to increase the competition to play quarterback behind a solid offensive line and a dynamic young receiving core, right? And so, you know, I think, I think they'll be okay in that regard. What gives most hope going into next year with all the changes that you might see, especially on offense to the key players, is the defense. I mean, depending on how you, you define starters and all the different position groupings and, and things like that, it looks like they'll only lose three guys off their potential starting lineup. And six of the of the the front seven, defensive line and linebackers, will be back if they choose to be. They have the eligibility to do it. And if they do, then this defense could go to from one that really struggled to one that is one of the, the best comeback stories year to year in college football. So there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about next year heading into the Big 12 with the personnel that they're bringing in right now. And we don't even know what recruiting is going to bring and what the portal is going to bring. Now, given what happened defensively, and uh, BYU struggled last year, again, they struggled this year, hopefully they get better. They didn't from last year to this year. The hope is they do from this year to next year. Does BYU need to consider some shuffling when it comes to who is coaching those guys? Does that need to be a strong consideration, at least in the offseason? Well, there needs to be a real evaluation, Jerem, of what the assistant coaches have been focusing on. We've talked before about how the, the coaches in this up-tempo age tend to often coach scheme on the field in practice, and then they coach technique in the meeting room because they just don't have time to stop and coach people up like it used to be when people used to huddle up and go more slowly. Well, you lose technique that way, and that hurts guys going into the NFL a lot of ways. And so they've got to take a hard look at themselves and decide if they're coaching enough football, how to play football how to beat the guy in front of me. What techniques do I use? And we can go into the defensive line, for example. Um, you watch them on tape, and one thing I don't see is shock, extend, shed. That means that defensive line needs to shock the guy in front of him, the blocker in front of him, then extend him away so we can see what's going on. And when it's time to shed that blocker and pursue or make the tackle, shed it. Shock, extend, shed. Now watch that in the last few games of the season. See if they're doing that because there's too many times when that hasn't been the technique that, that we've seen. The linebackers for BYU tend to go side to side. They tend to stand there and wait for a blocker to get to them at linebacker depth rather than attacking downhill. Now, these are things that guys are being coached to do in large measure, and it depends on the game plan and the team that they're playing, and things can, can shake up and be different. But I think the, the coaching staff, 
needs to take a real hard look in the mirror and decide if what they're asking their players to do is puts them in the best position to succeed. And if it is putting them in the best position to succeed from a, a scheme and technique standpoint, are they coaching those techniques enough that the guys can excel at it? Because this year on tape, on game day, that hasn't shown up as consistently as it should have. It's another Matt It's Monday on BYU Sports Nation. Trevor, maybe you just answered the question, and it is something with the coaching staff, but what's the number one thing that you feel BYU's program needs to address as they move into the Big 12 to be Big 12 ready? Well, to be Big 12 ready, we've seen as BYU has played an elevated Power 5 portion of their schedule the last several years that they've lost guys to injury. I mean, the Baylor game last year, they were just out of people on defense and Baylor just rolled them. This year, Baylor was earlier in the season and BYU beat them. They had more guys healthy and that depth is very important. That depth is important because of competition that it creates in practice. It makes everybody better. And so from a, from a micro standpoint and looking at what needs to happen, you know, on the field that we can see, it is more than anything else continue to increase to upgrade their recruiting so that they can continue to bring in that depth, especially on the defensive line, because you've got to have a rotation of eight guys where the, the second group is not a whole lot different than the first. BYU rotates guys like crazy. And what they do is they make up, and this is what a lot of teams try to do. They'll make up for a lack of dynamic playmaking on the defensive line by having the guys in there be incredibly fresh and play incredibly hard for a few plays, and then they go back out and they take a break, right? Well, if you combine that with the dynamic athletes, now you've got something going on. But overall, what will make BYU successful in the Big 12 is not that. What will make BYU successful in the Big 12 is their culture. Coach Sataki talks about that all the time. And when BYU is at its best, the, the culture is fantastic. The culture in the locker room holds their teammates accountable in a positive way, in a proactive, constructive way. And practice and preparation occurs in a way that shows up every week consistently on game day. That culture that BYU is known for when they're at their best is the key thing for their success, more so than even the, the, the players that we just talked about. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. What's Trending is presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. All right, we all knew that losing Tyler Algier was going to leave a void at running back this season. I'm not sure, Dave, if we realized just how much of a void it was going to leave. So now with a lot of playmakers leaving, or at least possibly leaving after this season, what's the bigger void? Is it the one left by Tyler Algier or the one that could be potentially left by Jaron Hall after this season? Which is the bigger void to fill? You know, when you lose a quarterback who's been really good, that's such a giant thing. And, and BYU's going to fill that spot in the portal or from junior college, or you've got Conover and Finnegan. I have a feeling it's going to be, uh, I, we're going to see somebody at quarterback that we've never seen before next fall. They just can't go into the Big 12 without full confidence in that spot. Tyler Algier gave them full confidence once they finally gave him the job. He was missed this year on fourth and one so many times, or third and one, because he could get that yard. We were never able to replace Algier. 
we thought we had Chris Brooks and some of the other guys that could do it. Um, they're just, they're just. Well, Algiers playing for the Falcons. All right, that's where Algiers. He's an NFL running back. Man, those guys get yards when it's short and whatever. Um, and we struggled all season long, especially in big moments like Notre Dame. And even when Jaron Hall was not healthy, a good running back yes. still could have gotten BYU wins against, I believe, Arkansas and, and, North, uh, and Notre Dame. Liberty, we just got smoked. Oregon smoked us. I think we could have beat East Carolina with a little bit of a running game. Um, you know, the guys that came in were valiant, did their best. They weren't Tyler Algier. You know what? No one is. And so it's not, it's not on those guys. It's this guy was that great. Yeah. Uh, I think we missed Algier a whole lot. We're going to miss Jaron Hall a whole lot, but we will not notice it as much if they find an Algier for <laughs> right, next season. Right. Well, so look, and I almost feel bad not going with Algier because we know what BYU missed this year without him. And to your point, some of these games that, that BYU lost, and I think East Carolina is a perfect example of this, having it back, like you said, like Tyler Algier to – to be able to keep that clock moving and pick up first downs and just know that you could, when you give him the ball, he's going to get you at least five or six yards. He's going to keep the chains moving. That's so huge. And look, he single-handedly won BYU the Washington State game last right. year yeah. because of his ability. Let's just give Tyler the ball. The clock's going to run, and he's going to pick up first down after first down after first down. Having said all of that, because we don't know what the quarterback situation is moving forward, I still am going to lean that direction. I, I still maintain that in all of sports, there is no more important position than the quarterback position yeah. in football. And we have seen, look, this is not unique to BYU. It's every team. If you do not have a quarterback, and a lot of times if you do not have a quarterback with experience, your team on offense typically struggles. Now, that's not 100%. Most of the time. Most no. of the time, that's the case. So I have a hard time going away from the potential of Jaron leaving and then the unknown, whether it is, you know, Conover or Finnegan, or I agree with you, they're going to probably, all in all likelihood, bring in some, some guys from outside of the program to transfer in and, and work with that competition. Without knowing what that looks like, I, I lean more that direction because there's more unknowns right now we're spoiled because Zach Wilson was great uh, his last year and then Hall was great so we've had two guys back to back that have been really good Hall went six and one against P5s last year uh, he, had, he has a chance to beat Stanford next week and, and finish what six and one against the Pac-12 yeah, not bad uh, Jaron's beat more P5s than any quarterback in BYU history so to his credit He's really good, and when healthy, he's an NFL quarterback. We saw him last week against, two weeks ago against Boise State healthy. He looked like an NFL quarterback. He's throwing, you know, Blaine was on here the other day talking about it. he's hitting sidelines, he's hitting the deep ball. We went four weeks without that for the most part. Arkansas wasn't interested in playing defense. He had a good day against those guys. Uh, Notre Dame, East Carolina, you could tell he wasn't quite right, but when he is right, he's fantastic. And he's right now. So we're going to see a show from him on Saturday. We should see a great return missionary matchup against Stanford with Tanner McKee and Jaron Hall. And, and Hall is, is, again, healthy. can go into that game and zip it around. Yeah, we'll miss that because of the, of the unknown of, well, I don't know who's going to be the right. quarterback next year. Well, but I don't know who's going to be the running back either. Yeah, but isn't it funny, though? And that's a, that's a perfect segue to what I was going to say. Because at the end of every year, where, whether it's BYU losing some top-tier receivers or last year, Tyler Algier, it seems easier, and we seem much more comfortable saying, yeah, but look who's there. Yep. 
You know, and they'll be able to find a running back, or there's still talent in the wide receiver room. They'll be able to find guys to throw to. It's different with the quarterback. That is such a bigger position, and it 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 means so much to the overall offense that I don't know if we're as comfortable saying, oh, well, there's so-and-so next year, unless it is a proven guy behind him. Right. So that, that's probably why I lean quarterback. It's going to be the story of the offseason. It really will. And, and, but I'm more interested in, are we going to get bigger up front on defense, yeah. well. the defensive line? Because that's where we've, we've struggled as well. So it's going to be a great offseason. Yeah, it is. Uh, BYU hosts Missouri State tonight over at the Marriott Center. Cougs 1-1, one one, still very early in the season. Uh, they needed a big bucket by Spencer Johnson to beat Idaho State. Yep. And, uh, and they had San Diego State down by 10 in the second half. Couldn't hold on. Uh, a lot of turnovers and stuff. Uh, so what's the number one item on the fix-it list through two games? Yeah, again, very early. It's just two games. But the one that stands out to me is the turnovers. And we saw that in both games. Right now, BYU's averaging 22 turnovers per game. And look, you can turn the ball over a lot. And 22 is obviously more than what the coaches want, certainly. You can still turn the ball over that much, and, it, and it, you can get by if the opposing team's not making you pay for it. Right. right now, BYU's turning the ball over, and the opponents are making them pay for it. Because through the first two games, BYU's opponents are scoring almost 17 points per game off BYU turnovers. Think about That's it. That's the problem. It's, it, you're going into San Diego State. They're ranked 19th. Yeah. You want to beat them. But so you know what we're going to do? We're going to give you the ball 22 more times than us. <laughs> yeah. And now we're going to try to beat you. Yeah. That's what turnovers does. Yeah, tur- turnovers for me is the number one thing. And look, you hope that a lot of that, and, and Mark Pope has mentioned several times, that this there's going to be a lot of experimentation in terms of lineups and, and substitution patterns. And so a lot of that stuff you hope will, the turnovers will start to go down once everybody starts to get into a rhythm and you get a little bit further into the season. I, I'm willing to, to give them the benefit of the doubt because we're two games in and they're still working a lot of new guys into this, to this team. But it's certainly something that you, you are aware of at this point. I think, I think they just need to relax. Yeah. You know, I, I, I go back to Aaron Rodgers when the Packers were had a miserable start. He spells it out. He goes, everyone needs to relax. <laughs> and then they went, on, I don't, they, they went on and found themselves and turned into a pretty good football team. Um, Rudy Williams just kind of relax. He's a good point guard. He plays good defense. He's fast. He's a distributor. He can score. But he struggled in the first two games. Uh, eight turnovers last uh, week against San Diego State. It was brutal from your point guard. Probably cost him the game, despite all the other things. Uh, and he's got to hit his free throws. Those two misses down the stretch, those were brutal. He can make those, and he will make those. Just needs to relax. I think if he relaxes, Jackson Robinson's an outstanding three-point shooter. One for seven at San Diego State after making your first one, I think it was. Yeah. That's not good enough. But in that environment, the game got sped up, and you could tell BYU wants to go faster anyway, but... They don't want to go that fast, where they're just, the ball's out ahead of them, now they've turned it over. Uh, I, but I think if they relax, and tonight's game's very important, yeah. and Saturday's game's important against Nichols State before they go to the Bahamas and, and play some top 25 teams, just can they come out and go, okay, I've played at the Marriott Center before it was last week. Now I can come out and relax and know these fans are for us, and we can have a good time. Uh, everything is exploratory for these new guys. Waterman looked completely lost against San Diego State. He's a good basketball player. Tonight's a night for him to just go, all right, I'm here, I'm going, I'm open for a three. I've made a million of these in my life. I'm just going to hit one. I'm going to hit another one. And then all of a sudden the game becomes easier for him. So I think that's what I'm going to be looking for. Can they relax and have some fun and just let, 
let the moment catch up to them yeah. instead of them chasing something. Look, while we're talking about things that need to be fixed, I, I think one thing that doesn't need to be fixed and has been really impressive, and quite frankly, I, I'm really happy for him, is the play of Spencer Johnson through the right. first two games. He's averaging 14 points per game and, and shooting the ball extremely well. He's shooting 60% plus from the field and from three. He has really taken to that starting role, and I, I, I'm so happy for him. He's getting this opportunity, and he's producing. He's earned it. Yep. We went 62 games off the bench, and that will be his third consecutive start tonight. Uh, I, I, he kept us in the game down to San Diego yes. State. Um, and he's playing with so much confidence. Yeah. There's no hesitation. It's all coming within the flow of the offense. And, and he's, if he gets a shot and it's in rhythm, he's taking it. There's no hesitation, and I love that. Foose, too. I mean, some of these older guys, and Foose is young, but he's older because he played all last year. Yeah. Older being the second year at BYU compared to the first year for these other guys, they can help those other guys calm down by just, just hey, be a dominant post player and take the pressure off of these guys. Spencer Johnson can hit some threes, take the pressure off of Jackson Robinson. Um, there's not a lot of experience on that squad, but those that have been there can really help these other guys. Tonight's a very important game. It is, and, and as we mentioned, uh, Missouri State coming in, they haven't played in a week. They played one game a week ago tonight. It was against Missouri S&T, which stands for Science and Technology. This is a smart group. In fact, I, I know this school very well because it's in Rolla, Missouri, which is where I was born. It's where really? my dad lives currently. Nice. So I, I, know, I know this team, <laughs> and they whooped them by like 40. But they've had a, an entire week off. And, and as, as we talked about at the very beginning of, of the, uh, the broadcast, you know, they've got seven transfers in, 14 new players, seven D1 transfers. BYU has a lot of transfers. This is an important game for both teams tonight. Yeah, yeah, we'll call it the portal championship. Yes, that's right. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Cougar Whip Around is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. All right, here we go. If BYU wins Saturday, they become bowl eligible. At this point, do you care which bowl game they play in? Um, I do, but maybe not for the reasons that you think. I care where they play, and it's mostly because of when the game is played. I would like to have, the for, for, for selfish reasons, I would like to have the bowl game Whichever one gets done by like the 22nd, so that we're not dealing with like a bowl game so on you Christmas want Eve. I want pre-Christmas. Look, if you're not going to play in one of the big ones that's around New Year's, I want to. I would like to have it done by the 22nd, so I can spend Christmas with my family. Yeah, the the, the lame thing about that, and when you're seven and five, let's say they went out, this is what you've earned. So it's not like, hey, they're not getting a raw deal in going to a right. a, a B-level bowl, but. If you're if you're before the 28, it's just kind of like a. It's it's sort of bowl noise. week seems to happen after yes. Christmas. Yeah. So I like kind of being in that mix. Um, I, I saw a projection a couple weeks ago, maybe Iowa State somewhere. I'd love that as a Big 12 preview. That'd be great. Motivation enough to go and, and do that. These teams, uh, UTSA, UNLV, Troy, San Jose State, Memphis, that, they don't do it for me. However, being in a bowl game is significant for a team that's going to the Big 12 because you get extra practice days, get a little more exposure, you get an opportunity to keep playing, and, and you need all that work before the mothership comes in. So, yeah. So I want to go to the Holiday Bowl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I want to go to the Rose Bowl. How about that? Yeah.
All right, BYU, we're talking unis here, by the way. Okay. BYU debuts the new uh, navy trimmed with royal, a.k.a. the Kalani uniform tonight. So are they the best unis worn by BYU athletes this fall? I'm not, we're not just saying basketball. Man, those are fresh. Ask me about 9.15 tonight. <laughs> See how they're doing If they them? won in those, the answer is yes. A lot of times we roll out these cool uniforms and can't, and then we can't remember it with, hey, you know what, the uniforms are cool. And Like the black unis against Notre Dame, yeah. those were sharp. We lost the game, and so when we play Notre Dame, that's what I think about. I don't think about the uniforms. I think about, I think about that. This helmet was pretty cool. I think we wore this against Arkansas. We lost that yeah. game. Um, so we'll come out in the Royals and the Navies tonight. Finally, I love both colors. Some people like, I only like Navy. I only like Royal. I like them both. Now you get an opportunity to, to enjoy both. It doesn't matter what you wear tonight because you're going to be covered either way. I do love this. I love that look. I've always thought that Royal and Navy could work together, and I think that is a perfect example. Whether it's the best uni, I, I'm not willing to go that. It may not be the best-looking uniform of all the basketball ones because they are all fantastic, and I loved that Royal one. Seeing it on the court at San Diego State looked yeah. amazing. Look good. All right, you'll see it in high definition tonight. That's right. And then we'll be able to make your choice. Uh, in last night's latest college football playoff rankings, the Pac-12, with six teams now in the top 25, is the Pac-12 back before they leave? Um, out of principle, I'm going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> That's my answer. And I'm I like to think to of it, it as pre-Big Ten looks pretty good. <laughs> yeah. USC and UCLA heading out. Um, those are, the Big Ten's getting two contenders now, where UCLA you know, asked me that last week, last year, and I'd say, well, they're just getting one team. Now they're getting two programs. But Dave, the Pac-12 may get San Diego State. Yeah. And maybe SMU. Maybe that 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 can take over for look for those two going yeah. over there. Look for Washington, Oregon going to the Big Ten yeah. and looking for those four coming to the Big 12. Nothing is settled at this point. Yeah. All right. We mentioned this earlier. Women's basketball falling to 0-3, losing to number 16, uh, Oklahoma. BYU led at halftime yeah. and gave the Sooners all they could handle. Was yesterday a moral victory for BYU women's basketball? You know, I equate it to BYU and San Diego State with the men played well enough for long enough to know that they can play this yeah. way. Uh, didn't take care of the ball enough down the stretch to, to beat a, a top 25 team. And, and that's what we saw yesterday, and that's what we saw Friday night. So they saw, hey, you know what? They got good players. They, they just need some time. Amber Whiting's group just needs some time. They lost everybody last year. I mean, five of the best players yes. gone. Well, maybe four, Gustin's back, but they lost the five other supporting players around her. Um, moral victory. They're going to Hawaii. They're going to feel good about that. <laughs> I, there were certainly some really positive things to take out of that. I don't believe the coaches would say it's a moral victory, so that's the way I'm going. All right. So I know you were disappointed yesterday <laughs> uh, when you were unable to get your Taylor Swift tickets. It was a sad day. You weren't alone. Vegas gives people a 2% chance of getting a Taylor Swift ticket um, if they haven't purchased them already. So is this the toughest ticket you've tried to purchase? For the record, I did not try and get Taylor Swift tickets. I uh, did not even that know true? that they, that is true. I did not even try. Um, I'm reading a question. This was, originally, this was originally meant for Spencer today. So. <laughs> now, Spencer probably did try to get Taylor <laughs> But look, it's, it's, so it's not. But uh, now, I want to preface this. Remember, this was like 10 to 15 years ago when I say this, okay? They are not as popular anymore with the kids. And by kids, I really mean the kids. The toughest ticket I have ever gotten <laughs> was the Wiggles. Mike, do you even know the Wiggles? Do you even know? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Come on, we all so, have all of us so that had my kids. kids. I've been to five concerts in my life. Two of them have been the Wiggles. Okay, 
My kids loved it. And those tickets, if you did not jump on them quick, they were gone. I remember sitting down with my son and claiming, please, not the Wiggles again. And that's what well, he turned Fruit salad, out. yummy, yummy. Sports Center yeah. or whatever. You know what? I'm just happy when I can land a ticket to the... Uh, Tabernacle Choir Christmas show up in Salt Lake. I, I have a feeling you have no problem getting those. That's, that could be a tough one, too. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Exactly. And Dallin Hall is joining us in Studio B. What's hey, up, dude? What a night! What a night. Thank you for having me on the show today. Did you sleep at all? Uh, a little bit. <laughs> Took me a bit, but yeah. When, when did you actually fall asleep? Because I imagine it was a while to come down from that excitement. Yeah, I think 1 o'clock was the last time I remember being, like, still wired. <laughs> How many texts and DMs last night? <laughs> I don't know, man. I'll have to count it up today. We'll see. <laughs> He's Okay, this first thing's for sleep and then get up and, you know... Encounter it that way. Uh, walk us through the shot. I know you did with me last night uh, in our post-game interview, but now that you've had the night to think about it and you've seen a bunch of replays of it, walk us through that last play and what was drawn up and what was expected of you. Yeah, um, coach drew up a play. It was more to kind of get us open in that full court. We expected them to pick up full court to try and slow us down. Um, as it happened, they didn't, so I just ran a hard slant route. I think Jaron Hall would have thrown that nice to me. <laughs> Hall to Hall, baby. Hall to Hall. Um, but they were... I came down the court and they stuck really tight to their guys because we had been shooting so well. And so it gave me space to get downhill and then um, was able to finish the shot fortunately. And that was the first one I got to see go down that night. So that mm. felt good. How long did it take you to figure out that you were going to shoot the ball? Um, when I drove and no one helped, I was pretty confident in my ability to get my shot off and to score it. And so that just goes to having great teammates that are such great players. So that, yeah, there's no help off of Tiki. So it's all on you. So you, you kind of absorb the contact. And so all that time in the weight room has been worth it, right? Yes. And then you sure. lay it off the glass. What's that moment like when you actually see it go in? Um, it's like, I made it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then the next feeling is there's still 1.4 on the clock. Usually I love to see that just go off the clock. But, uh, you know, I'm just thinking someone told me about the Della Vadova dagger after and how it Yep. like that. <laughs> and that, <laughs> so, was, that was Tyler Hawes we were talking about in the post game. Like Tyler makes this incredible shot, like you, yeah. uh, right side banker, I believe, yep. as well. And then Delavadaga races it up, like second half, and makes it. So when Chance Moore lets go of that ball, we're, BYU fans are thinking, "Oh no, oh no!" <laughs> I did not, not like that shot, and it wasn't even close. Yes, fortunately, the yeah. line looked good, but depth not close. Yes, and then the team just embraces you. What's that moment like uh, to celebrate that win together? Yeah, it's special because those guys are family to me. Um, with the amount of time we put in together, the culture we have here at BYU, and um, just the time that we've spent together made it so special to have them support me, and I couldn't have done it without them from the beginning of the summer till now. Mm -hmm. And so to have those guys around me as I got to be in that moment was super special for me. And then here in the post game, uh, <laughs> in the locker room, water, that's how we roll, right? Um, that's how we and, roll. And I noticed in particular, it stuck out to me that Rudy Williams right here, he gives you a big hug on the court and then in the locker room. Rudy could be like upset that he's the veteran, the starter, he's not in at the game, in the, at the end in two of the home games now. No, he is a great teammate. And, and how's the relationship? Because it seems like you guys just want to win. You don't care whether you're in, he's in, whatever. 
No, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Uh, Rudy is just a team first guy. He has been since he got here. And he's been especially important in my development. I always go to him, I talk to him. And so we've formed a good bond, point guard to point guard, where he's kind of been my mentor throughout this summer, helping me to get better. And so that's really what it is. We play for each other. I know he could have made that shot. And so it just happened to be my turn to step up and uh, he's a team first guy. So he's just happy that we got the W and I know he'll do the same next time. When did point guard for you become a reality? Because you can play a number of positions on the guard line. When did BYU needing you as a point guard become like your reality? Um, yeah, I, I knew coming in my freshman year, like uh, I just wanted to do whatever I had to do to get on the floor. So whether that was play shooting guard, small forward, point guard, it didn't matter. Um, I just wanted to help my team win. But ultimately in talking with Coach Pope and him recruiting me, point guard has always been something that I've played and um, he's always recognized the the vision that I've had. And so... That was kind of my hopes in coming here was to be able to play that point guard position. Was your mouth guard still in at the end of the game? Tyler and I always look like, because I always say, beware the mouth guard guy. It's going to battle. <laughs> He's like ready to throw down, right? Did you have the mouth guard in at the end? Yeah, I have a okay, adjusted you still have. one. Okay. It's a little thinner. <laughs> okay. Because in the beginning, I was like, yeah, what's going on? Uh, so they hooked you up with a better one? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mama Hall insisted, so... Okay. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Mama Hall's like, hey, you're on TV now. We got to look a certain way. She no. wanted <laughs> Yeah, she's like, you can't be looking like a running back out that there. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. Have you always been a mouth guard guy? I have, yeah. So this front tooth right here has been knocked out like three times. What? Yeah, so ever since then, I just always make sure I have it in. It's a thing. Like, Tyler has multiple fake teeth as well. Huh? Like, wow. it's, it's a thing. We, we haven't battled hard enough. We're not mouth guard guys. <laughs> Although Spence was a lockdown defender in high school. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, that's crazy. Well, Dallin knows what Northridge High School zone. basketball is about. And, <laughs> and situational awareness in the safety zone. Yeah, right? Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> Obedience to the uh, principles of the offense. Now, let's, let's talk about uh, the, these two home games. We, and we were just talking about, is winning enough? Because certainly these teams on paper, people go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why is it so close? Winning is great. It, it's great. Everyone loves it. But it's like, shouldn't we blow these guys out? Hey, First game was Idaho State. It's the first game. It's a new group. Missouri State was better than people thought, and we kept telling people that. I don't know that anyone believed us. They were good. Now you have Nichols at home. How do you, how do you get to the point where when, when the moment's right that you can kind of uh, not come down to the wire, perhaps, against a team at home that people expect you to beat handling? Yeah, I think we got to really break down some film uh, because we had it to 10, and then we had a couple def defensive lapses, and we got stagnant on offense. Um, luckily, Trey Stewart stepped up big last night. He got us going on a, offensively. He was huge um, at the end. Me and him were tandeming back and forth. Um, but we're going to really dig into the film and make sure that when we do get that lead, we lock in, and that way we're able to extend it. Um, but we'll always take a win um, because as long as it's going towards the win column, we're happy. Only three turnovers in the second half. Has BYU turned a corner in that regard? I'm hoping so. Yeah, we've put a lot of emphasis on taking care of the ball, protecting it, um, and valuing our possessions. And so I thought it was a good blend of playing fast still and taking care of the ball, and so hopefully we can keep that rolling. Um, but yeah, we bounced back well from that first half. And Mark Pope said as much at Shooter yesterday saying, I don't want to sort of pull back and then the ball doesn't move, right? So there's this sort of like tolerating risk in the turnover and so on. Okay, uh, when you look at... Um, Atiki and Noah last night. Really nice contributions with the second team there. You've seen Noah in practice shoot it. Five for five on his first uh, uh, offerings there. That was incredible and really kept you guys in the game when, when uh, the team was struggling a little bit. 
Yeah, he carried us for sure. Um, he's a big time player that will always hit big time shots. And tonight, he I mean, last night he was huge for us. Um, and he's put in tons of hours of practice. I've seen him after practice getting shots up. And so he was ready for the moment and he really stepped up and was big for us. And then, like I said, Trey Stewart was just mm -hmm. dicing the defense, finding him. So those two together were a deadly combo. And then I can't say enough about Atiki. That wow, guy what a was night. crazy. <laughs> you know, I'm guarding my guy. And then I just see two hands come over top of me and just swat that thing and get the <laughs> rebound. Like, that's awesome to have behind you. And, you know, he's a team first guy. Like, even if he's yeah. on the bench, he is just totally engaged. He's there for Foose. And tonight, Foose was there for him. And it was so special to see him just have a huge night. And we know he can keep that going. Dallin, there are video bombs, and then there are video bombs from the GOAT at BYU, Danny Ainge. Okay? <laughs> Crazy moment. I'm interviewing you. He comes up, and he's you know, giving you big props. You said he's a great mentor to you. How, how, explain that relationship to us. Like, what, what is his mentorship to you? Yeah, for sure. Um, I first met him like, at a Gonzaga game when I was getting recruited, um, and we had a really good talk. And, you know, he's so knowledgeable about the game. He's one of the best basketball minds in the game. So anytime you get an opportunity to talk like to someone like that, especially, a, you know, a BYU hero like him, um, I always try and pick his brain. And so he's been really good at whenever I have the chance to giving me advice, telling me to play free, play my game. And so I think that was a special moment for both of us because he saw it kind of pay off there at the end. And um, I'm going to keep obviously picking his brain, but I'm super grateful for him and all the advice he's given me and the mentorship he's had. For me i just thought he really messed up your hair though <laughs> with all that product you didn't put in last night yeah i mean <laughs> i guess my teammates did too so yeah, whatever just, right? i'm just kidding it's a mess for the hair whatever who, who was who was uh who were some of the guys you watched growing up uh that you really admired and maybe patterned your game after in some way yeah that's funny actually because i remember telling danny ainge um he told me to compare my game to someone in that first conversation we had years ago and i told him um you know i'd love to say steph curry because that's who i watched the most um, but my shooting is not quite there yet. We're getting there. Um, but I think I told him Steve Nash, just my ability to play the pick and roll, to find players. And he was like, wow, that's crazy. I actually drafted him. And I was like, holy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was cool. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a blend of players. Usually, um, I think the reason I was recruited heavily by Coach Pope was my vision. And so being surrounded with so many great shooters makes for awesome pick and roll. So I'm just grateful and fortunate to be playing with the guys I'm playing with. All right, before you go, your teammates told me to put you on the spot here. Oh boy. Because of the Korg impression. Oh, dude, that and went viral last week. Awesome. That was awesome. But they tell me that you have more in the arsenal. Okay, <laughs> is that true? Are, are there others besides Korg? Can we get another Korg? one? <laughs> um, I might have some others later in store for y'all. We'll see. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Can't, can't pull all the tricks out of the sure. bag. Can you give yeah. us a little Korg for those that may have missed it? <laughs> I don't know if anyone missed it. You just put it out there. It got out there. It was pretty good. Yeah, it was crazy. It's really good. So if you just said like, "Hey, BYU win," like say, "BYU is a winner," and Cork impression. All right, we'll see if I can. Hey, hey, hey! BYU got the W last night. Let's go, man! Taika Watiti for the win. That is Taika. That's awesome. Fantastic. Oh, Dallin, great to have you with us. Uh, congratulations again on the game winner. And, uh, wow, a great start to your career at BYU. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Go Cougs, baby. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio.
This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Cougar Whip Brand presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Utah Tech wide receiver uh, Malcolm Ross Turner had an interesting comment about BYU this week. All right, Malcolm Ross Turner predict the Utah Tech and BYU football game to to it's going to be twenty seven. Let's go 27-14. I'll give them 21, maybe. Who's winning, though? That's Utah Tech. That's about it, though. It, he should pick his team to win. I mean, I uh, like his confidence. Is, is this bulletin board material or not? Kind of, because the what you didn't hear in that quote is something that Malcolm apparently said off-camera earlier, which is he compared BYU to, like, they're as good as Sacramento State. Which is just like now what now that's now now there's what? an issue. What? Sac they're as good as Sacramento State. And D'Angelo Mendel quote tweeted it. Like some BYU players have seen it. So yes, it's already become bulletin board material. I don't think that BYU needed it. Utah Tech certainly didn't need to give give BYU. Yeah, Paul Peterson's like, what are you doing? More probably. of that motivation. But I mean I like the confidence. I just just I think it's probably foolish to do it on camera. Was this set in a laundromat? <laughs> what, that was a dryer behind him, right? Like, what, what was that? No, they don't need bulletin board material. They need a washer and a dryer. <laughs> Three games into the season, as we move from football to basketball, already two game winners for BYU. Wild. Which player has the better game winner? Is it Spencer Johnson against Idaho State or Dallin Hall last night against Missouri State? I go Spencer Johnson because when he hit the shot, BYU was trailing and it was a step back three. Dallin's was tremendous because freshman and we grade freshmen on a different curve than everybody else. But yeah, the, both tremendous. I go with Spencer Johnson. They're both awesome. Now that Dallin Hall's out of the room, I go with Spencer yeah, Johnson. They're both awesome. BYU was two for 15 from the three-point line and trailing against Idaho State when Spencer Johnson hit that three. So his is more important, just more critical. Dallin's is probably more memorable because he's a freshman, but Spencer Johnson's well, more and important. Well, it was the most recent. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, Brett McMurphy tweeted that Big 12 Commish, Brett Yormark and Gonzaga AD Chris Standiford met yesterday in Austin ahead of the Zags at Texas game and that there is, quote, growing mutual interest, end quote, regarding Gonzaga joining the Big 12. Would you be surprised to see this actually happen? Yes, I still think they're a long way away. Because Gonzaga is not a football program, the Big 12 venturing into new territory with no, like a team with no football program, that, that feel, it still feels a little bit weird to me. Like, I, I feel like there's a lot of discussion and conversation that still need to happen. So I, at this point, I would still be surprised to see it come to fruition. Gonzaga is flirting with the Pac-12 and the Big East yeah. and the Big 12. Sure, they should. They uh, should. I wouldn't be surprised because we've had a few smoky moments now. Uh, so I won't be like, oh, I'm shocked there's a fire over there. It's like, well, no, there's been a little smoke. So yeah, if they said, yeah, Gonzaga joined, they'd be like, all right, well, we had multiple reports. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, not surprised, but I mean, you wouldn't be surprised. I still feel like there's a long way to go. I, I also do. Gotcha. Okay, but you still wouldn't be surprised. But if they were like, Gonzaga's joining the Big 12, I'm like, yeah, because you told yeah. us they were talking. BYU women's soccer, Jerem. <sighs> Huge matchup against Stanford today. And they have struggled against Stanford in recent tournaments. Yep. Do they need a win today against the Cardinal to validate this season? 
No, it's been a tremendous season. They bounced back in a strong way. 12 unbeaten, game unbeaten streak. Uh, you know, they won at home, avenged regular season loss yes. to Utah Valley. Yep. Won in the tourney. This isn't last year's team. This is this year's team. Stanford is a bane of BYU's existence, having won three in a row in the tourney against BYU. Neutral side, so perhaps it gives BYU a better chance. BYU actually closer than Stanford, obviously, to UNC, but both far. No, I don't need a win to validate the season, I'll be, although it'd be pretty nice. BYU validated the season when they beat Utah Valley at home and won a ninth consecutive NCAA match on their home field. They get to the second round. Yeah, no, like they filled the cup. Like anything after this is now above the, the expectation line for me. They beat Stanford, fantastic. Now you're exceeding expectations in my opinion. Some, some people in this, in this space say, oh yeah, it's gravy now. I go, well, to me gravy is a necessary component with potatoes. Mm. I do like potatoes just plain too, but gravy is real, it's not extra. It is, it is almost everything when you add it there. Now, get me into the moment and it's critical like time and it's tied late or whatever. I might feel like, no, yeah, you need, need to win, man, they they need to win. win I changed my mind. <laughs> no, they're, they're good, the season's been great. Listen to that game, by the way, coming up on uh, BYU Radio 3. Last night, as Noah Waterman was in the midst of going five for six in the three-point line, you tweeted out, and I quote, Waterman? Question mark? More like on fire, man. <laughs> Which drew a Patrick from SpongeBob <laughs> boo <laughs> gift response from BYU Barstool. <laughs> Because BYU Barstool is the source of all knowledge. Was the response from <laughs> BYU Barstool justified? Oh, absolutely. I knew it was bad. Boo! Okay, a couple years ago, Mark Durant <laughs> tweeted in reference to uh, Corbin Kafusi. Cow Fusi more like bear Fusi. Oh my just, goodness. Just, no. I'm, we're not, <laughs> I take myself seriously for about 15 minutes during sacrament meeting a week. That's about it. The Waterman highlights really write themselves if you're looking back on it. Like if I was calling his highlights, like, if he makes a shot, it's splash, right? It's, yeah, it it's rain, perfect, it's it splash. It makes perfect sense. It's, yes. Noah and water? Are you kidding me? <laughs> They're handing out last names on like Ellis Island. Like, like, what do you want? He's like, Waterman. Waterman. Are you a fireman? shooting form? No, a waterman. I don't know. There's shooting jokes. form is tight like unto a dish. Yes, thank you, Ether. <laughs> Mahanrai Moriankamer. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. What's trending? Got it! Got it! Spencer Johnson for three. And what's trending is BYU just finding ways to win at home against Idaho State and now Missouri State. Is winning enough right now for BYU basketball, Jerem, when it comes to the opponent and this young team and so many moving pieces? What do you think? Is it enough? Because they were a 23-point favorite against Idaho State, 9.5 going into last night against Missouri State, and they win both of those games by one possession. Missouri State better than Idaho State. Um, you know, those two aren't created equal. But I say, yes, it's enough because we don't have NCAA tournament demands for this group. Perhaps they grow into that later in the season. But from what we've seen, this is a, a new look group with 12 new guys. Three, uh, you know, three transfers are injected into the top, you know, 
eight in the rotation there. No Waterman, great game last night with the five threes. The program standard is NIT+. Plus. Um, you at least have to make that right. Um, and this team is, is fringe NIT at the moment, how they're playing, which is barely beating Idaho State and Missouri State. It's early, new group. There are going to be some growing pains. 56 uh, you know, turnovers in three games, still figuring out with the scheme. So I say yes. This isn't football where we walked in with top 20 expectations and then suddenly BYU is defeating uh, Wyoming and Utah State by 12 and 14, and we asked the same exact question at the moment, and I said in that moment, no, it's not good enough. Right now I'm saying yes, because BYU could easily be 0-3. They could also easily be 3-0. So uh, it's, it's interesting, and I'm not super uh, demanding at the moment with this men's basketball team this early in the season. Just find a way to win when you are so new. When you bring in young players, and I keep hearing from the coaches, man, these three return missionary freshmen, Dallin Hall and Tanner Toulson and Richie Saunders, they're special. They're special. If they, they have a killer instinct. They have a winning instinct in them. And when you are winning with young players on the floor, when Dallin Hall is on the floor as a freshman point guard and hitting your game-winning shot late, then yeah, winning, just winning is enough. Because everybody wants to learn through winning. Imagine if we were talk, sitting here talking like, Man, I can't believe BYU is 1-2 and two or 0-3 oh with home losses to Idaho State and Missouri State. It would feel drastically different. Totally. Drastically those, those would be different. quad three and four losses probably yes, at the end of the like, year. Yeah. Those are the types of losses that Mark Pope has largely avoided in his tenure at BYU. And to have two of those potentially at home this early in the season... Yeah, we'd be in kind of a little bit of crisis or panic mode. Like, oh, man. Like, Are they even going to make the NIT we'd, is we'd be, what we'd say. We'd be saying, yeah. like, this team needs to learn how to win a close game, right? And we're seeing that with BYU women's basketball. They've led at halftime in all three games and have not won any of those games. And so that, the, re- the rhetoric is theirs. Well, they just they don't, they don't know how to win clutch games yet. This team with young players and a lot of new moving parts – they do. They, they have that winning instinct, and that's worth something. So to me, yeah, winning is enough right now. When BYU gets into league play and we're halfway through the season, and uh, is anybody going to complain if they win a close game against Pacific on the road by one? No. Like, well, they were an eight-point favorite in Stockton. Who cares? Did BYU go to that game? Just, just, win, <laughs> just win games. For a young team with, with 12 new parts, winning – Right now is enough. I don't care if it's by one or it's by 20. Absolutely. They've, they've got something. They've got the ability to finish a game in clutch scenarios. And that's, that's big. The something the most is at home uh, and against teams you should beat. And then it's nice that they're making those plays, right? Because BYU basketball standard is, hey, teams like this, you should beat up at home. Now, we screamed at everybody in the pregame, hey, Missouri State's better than you think. Like, yes. don't overlook them. I, I thought the nine and a half point line was crazy. Too much. We were right on that. Too much. Um, that Missouri State was more talented than we thought. Why Chance Moore isn't coming uh, or starting is weird. He's coming off the bench, put up 18. Dude's baller. Dude like has NBA uh, like G League skill set. You know what I mean? Like he, he's a he's a pro uh, eventually. So yeah, when is winning enough? Yes, because we're not walking around going this is attorney team preseason. We're not saying that. We're hoping they're in the NIT at least. You know what I mean? It's sniffing attorney. How many times has Coach Pope said, well, it's going to be an adventure this season, and we just got to figure he's, it out along is, the way? He is setting up expectations, which is, we're not a tr- he's not saying this, but I'll, this is my translation, what I think. 
We're not a tourney team. Maybe we'll become that, but we're totally changing our scheme. We don't have any bigs. Like, just if we somehow figure this out, maybe we can make a run. I'm not saying Gonzaga is vulnerable and not going to win the league. They won lost by 19 last night at Texas. BYU is always playing for second in the league. St. Mary's supposed to be pretty good again. But like, yeah, if you can be in third place and be NIT plus, that's success. And then it's going to take a couple years in the Big 12 too. Like, if you if you think Missouri State and Idaho State are tough at home, just just wait, just wait. And it's the beginning of a season. What I am concerned about though is you're going, hey. Dallin Hall make a play. I love that he made a play. I'm just concerned because missionaries hit a wall typically in that freshman year back. It takes a year to be back physically. And he's within that year still. This is awesome. But at some point, um, typically missionaries hit a wall. He's probably feeling good, fighting through it physically, looks great, uh, used his physical strength to, to get some space there. I don't like that Rudy Williams is, is, has uh, 15 turnovers in three games and isn't on the court at the end. I, in terms of sustainability and whatnot, I did like the uh, the big hug that he gave Dallin Hall on the court and in the locker room. Tells me that, he, that he's a great teammate, that there's not friction in that regard. Dallin Hall is going to join us in the next segment. We'll talk about that relationship because those guys just want to win, and they are right now. I'm just concerned that when you're looking across the bench that it's not Missouri State and it's a more challenging foe, um, say perhaps Utah or St. Mary's or whatnot, that it'll be tougher to make those plays down the stretch like it was at San Diego State. I'm, I'm hoping, because you, you bring up the missionary wall, I'm hoping that this is a Mark Bigelow, Travis Hansen scenario where those guys didn't really hit well. They just came back and were pretty good, even off of the mission. And I feel like Dallin Hall could be that guy. Like, so Hopefully I, he's the exception. I hope he beats that trend. Yes, because physically it's tough. It is unrealistic for us to say, you've been gone for two years be as good as you were before or better once you get into a season. It's like a, it's like a college player going into the, uh, the minors in baseball. It's like you played like 50 games. Well, now it's game 70. Your right-handed pitcher, like, how is your arm late in the year? It's, it's just like, okay, this is new for you. This amount of games, this tough, this level after a mission. Hopefully he's good. Yeah. We'll talk to him in the next segment. Well, but, like, I'm not concerned about now. Sure. I'm concerned about, like, January 12th or whatever at Santa Clara where it's like, ah, just doesn't have the legs. Hey, I'm, I'm hoping he can beat the trend. He can be more like that Mark Bigelow, Travis Hansen scenario. And I love to break down, like, their January 12th, if you will. It's like, was there a stretch <laughs> where I was like, hey, that was tough. Regarding his future, uh, yesterday Jaron Hall said the following after practice. Yeah, and no, I don't know what I'm doing yet. There's a lot of game left, a lot of weeks left. I don't really want to think about that yet. Just enjoy the time with the boys, with Pooks over here, and, and all the guys. It's, uh, it's a fun time. Um, a lot of good things going for us right now, so just trying to be in the moment. Just, just cruise control for now. Just keep doing what we're doing and having a good time. Okay, cruise control. He's on the freeway. Uh, is there any? It's, it's adaptive cruise controls, so he'll pull up and then it'll just slow down for him. Is there any chance? Based on that. <laughs> the journal. I don't even, I even want to go it. there. I can't even say it's back next year. I don't even want to go there emotionally. Like, what's jersey number does Jaron Hall wear? Three? Yeah, about a three percent chance that he's back Isn't next year. Isn't that high? Wow. And maybe maybe okay. that's even maybe even that is ambitious. I know that Jaron Hall is a very, very steady, even keel, smart, well thought out guy. You interview him, you spend two minutes with him, you can figure that out in a hurry. And the logic is overwhelmingly screaming at him, go to the NFL. He's, he's yeah. an extremely logical person. So 
even though he says he's trying to live in the moment. And I appreciate that he wants to do that. And you know what? If anything, that comment gives me hope that Jaron wouldn't sit out BYU's bowl game. Like, BYU would have him as their quarterback in that bowl game. If he wants to enjoy the time with Puka Nakua and the guys and, <sighs> and like, Hopefully he plays. live in the moment, that, that gives me a little bit more hope that he's going to be BYU's quarterback in whatever bowl game they play in. And, yes, they will be bowl eligible after they beat Utah Tech on Saturday. More on the other side coming up in just there's a some, bit. There's some, there's some bulletin there's board some bull- material coming out of St. George. <laughs> so... I don't think Jaron Hall's coming back next year. No, no, no I, way, man. I do believe no when way. he says, I'm trying to enjoy the moment. Yeah, live in the moment, enjoy the final well, What is he going to say? Have. I'm not enjoying no. the moment. All I'm doing is thinking about next year. But I do think that he, yeah, that, that comment sends me more toward, I, I think that now maybe he might play in the bowl game and, and he wouldn't take a scenario where he sits out that bowl game because he's going pro. We'll see. But that that's how hey. I felt when I heard it. I was like, I don't think he's coming back next year, but maybe because he values time with his guys and he, he wants to maximize his opportunity this year, maybe he's the quarterback in the bowl game. I want to be cold taken so bad on this one, so I'm going to look into the camera. There's no freaking way Jaron Hall comes back next year. Mm. I hope I'm wrong. But I think, uh, to your point about the bowl game, I agree. I think because he's not first-round guy right now in, a, in as many mocks as maybe previously, although uh, in October there were five mocks where he was first-round, 12 through 28, but it feels like he's probably like, Rounds three through six somewhere, right? He's, an, he's a pick by somebody. I think he's going to crush the, uh, the pro day, which is in late March. I just wonder at, you know, the, the three-month mark, four-month mark in December, if that risk is okay for him. We'll see when we get to the bowl game. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But it sure would be nice to have uh, Jaron Hall in the bowl game. And I just don't see any way he's coming back. Again, this is his fifth season at BYU. It's only his fourth season playing. He sat out 2020, essentially. Um, but so did most everybody. Like, that was Zach Wilson's year. That was, that was an amazing year. So, yeah, he's not coming back. He's, it, one, he's too good. And two, he's been here too long. He's married with a kid. Like, he's, he's, he's the perfect BYU guy where it's like, I'm 24. He's going to be 25 by the time the draft yes, comes around. Age and he, risk factor. I would say he needs to leave, like, for his prospects. As much as we want him back, eh, he needs to go. As good as he might be next year for BYU in the Big 12, not saying he couldn't have a spectacular season. Oh, trust me. BYU, like, win and a half better next year with Jaron Hall? Yeah. Maybe two? Yeah. Like, like, when your quarterback is good and experienced like he is? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Makes oh, no. I difference. would give up all my sins to know thee but to have Jaron Hall back next year. How much better would his draft stock be, even if he did have a great season, because he's a year older? I don't know that it can get much better. Yeah. Maybe it's like, well, now he's a late first-round pick instead of an early third-round pick. But, I mean, what are we doing here? Like, is it worth the risk? I don't think he climbs into the first. Is it yeah. worth the risk? Of potential injury coming back for one more year. At no, BYU. and he checked that box. He will have played, you know, at least the, the 10 season, games. Right? He played the season. And hopefully that continues. All right, let's get to Voice of the Nation. Our question of the day is this. Back to basketball is just winning, no matter how close the game is, enough for BYU basketball right now? Ben Peterson on Twitter answers, yes. We as fans rarely look back at a 20-plus win season and change its value based on how close the games were. True. In the end, sure. we remember it as a good season, and if there were a lot of wins. It can just tell you a trend, right, in a certain direction. Like, we look back at BYU football, we go, well, 
Couldn't we see this coming a little bit? BYU wasn't playing great against Utah State and Wyoming. The hope is that it's so early in the season for men's hoops that they continue to evolve, and now you get some of those blowout wins. And perhaps Nichols is that on Saturday. We'll see. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. So when I say BYU football senior day, what comes to mind for you? Uh, just obviously it's the last game. It just comes to mind as what a journey it's been uh, just playing here at BYU. So I just think of all the past memories from the first game I was here playing in Lavelle and now to this very last one. What are some of your favorite memories that come to mind? Um, obviously, uh, a lot of memories with the players. Obviously, I had roommates back in the day. Uh, I was roommates with Tyler Algier, uh, Alan Tofa, uh, some past players like uh, Lopa, Uriah, Leotawa, Neil Pau with them. But uh, obviously, those are good memories. But, uh, but playing football, my favorite memory is probably the Wisconsin game, mm. playing Wisconsin in Wisconsin and just beating them. Oh, fantastic stuff. Uh, I mean, unbelievable victory in BYU's independence tour for sure. How will you handle the emotions of running out of the tunnel for the final time at Lavelle Edwards Stadium? Uh, I just got to just contain it. Obviously, I got to think of the game first and uh, play the play the game that we had in front of us. But obviously, it's going to be an emotional time just thinking about, you know, again, all the memories that we've that I've gained here, especially in Lavelle. So. I know the weather forecast is not as ideal as you would hope for in late November, but I mean, it is calling for sunshine, certainly cold temps. Do you prepare differently in the cold temperature game or is it like, once you get going, is it pretty much the same? I think, yeah, once you get going, it's pretty much the same, but obviously you try to, you try to prepare the same way that you've prepared all season, but once the cold hits, you kind of just, yeah, once you start playing, it goes away. You don't think about it. You're going to get a blanket. Um, for those that aren't aware of like the senior blanket, that memento, like what is it? What does it look like? How big is it? Do you know any of that at this point? Shoot, I I heard it from past players. I heard it's a minky, and I love minkies. So, <laughs> so I think I'll be happy with whatever we get. But if it's a minky, I'll really be happy. Let's go. Get Zoe a minky. I'm going to make sure Lonnie <laughs> sees this and hears this so that we can take care of business there. BYU is playing for bowl eligibility on Saturday after a huge win at Boise State. That just, I mean, and I say huge because you're coming off a four game losing streak. It's a rivalry yeah. game, it's on the blue. We all felt collectively as a fan base and as media members and as the football team, like just this huge sense of relief. Well, now yeah. you went away from bowl eligibility. So where is the team mentally as, as you play for that six to win and a chance to get to the postseason? I think uh, mentally we're, we're, we're good. Um, just coming off, especially coming off that big win against Boise at Boise, um, just being able to be keep motivated, especially trying to get this sixth win. And and it's our last game, our senior night game here at Lavelle. So motivation is pretty high no matter who the opponent is. So like we're I think we're just ready to play and win. What was the best thing that happened during the bye week for you? 
Uh, just being able to spend time with my family, especially my wife. Uh, she's been traveling to all the games, especially away games, uh, road tripping with my family as well. So it's being able to just to kick back and not have to think of have any stress mentally or physically on your body. So just being able to sit back, watch some football games, go to the mall. <laughs> because My wife wants to go to Target. We'll go to Target. We went to Target. <laughs> it was good for me mentally and physically. Uh, you're a good husband, so And I'm sure that your wife's hoping that you get a minky too, you know? So that yeah, you can yeah. Football with the minky, right? Probably won't even be mine if it's a minky, so. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know about Utah Tech and what they're going to try and do against BYU's defense? Uh, I know that they're an air raid team. Uh, they like to spread the field, uh, catch you with a couple of deep passes. They got some good wide receivers. They got a quarterback that can throw and run. And they got a good offensive line. So uh, Utah Tech, they're a good team, and we respect them. So I think it's going to be a good game this week, and just hopefully we'll be on top by the end of the game. Yeah, and again, being on top means BYU is officially bowl eligible with six wins on the season. You just brought up uh, your wife traveling to watch you play in all those games. I know that bowl games are important to the players and players' families. Do you have a preference on where you play a bowl game if and when BYU gets bowl eligible? Uh, so I'm grateful for whatever bowl game that we get. And, uh, I do have preferences, but <laughs> whatever, whatever bowl game we get, we get, but if it's somewhere with, uh, the sun and a beach, <laughs> it'll be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to argue with that. Lorenzo Palatea is with us on BYU Sports Nation. When did you just become Zoe? Like what, at what point in your life did the people and your teammates just start calling you Zoe? Oh, it was it was right when I got here at BYU. Uh, my senior year at high school, I had uh, all my all my buddies had jokes with me. Had, uh because everybody called me Lorenzo or Renzo back in in West Valley. But then my senior year uh, coming out, and then I had I had a couple D one offers, and uh, everybody would call me Seven Zo because I had seven D one offers. But Seven Zo was like the thing that they would call like. Just to, like, oh, look, seven Zoe's here. Look at seven Zoe's here. But they came over here to college, and my freshman year, everybody just kept calling me Zoe. So I was like, all right, Zoe it is. Fantastic stuff. What type of a feeling are you hoping to leave with BYU football as you depart? A legacy, if you will. Uh, just, just for the players, especially the younger guys, I just want them just to be them. Like you don't have to like fit into anything that you think that you need to be uh, fitted in just to be you. Like you, obviously you're right here for a reason. And uh, just the only thing I would leave to them is just be you. You don't have to change for nobody. Just be who you are. And I think you'll be all right. You've played against some really, really entertaining and incredibly tough schedules uh, over the past few years. And as a member of this BYU football team, what makes you feel like BYU will be ready for nine Big 12 games when you leave and the Cougars move on to a Power 5 conference? Yeah, obviously it's going to be the players and the coaches here and uh, just the staff, the whole staff in general. Um, I think BYU is ready and will be ready uh, for the Big 12. They got good coaches here that they'll be able to lead them. And they got players here who've gotten some experience under their belt playing against big teams. And so I think they'll be able to just hold strong, you know, play football. Besides bowl eligibility and a win on Saturday, what else is BYU playing for the remainder of this season? Uh, just being able to just to win out, you know what I mean? Uh, just 
our pride in general. Like obviously we we've went through a slump throughout the middle of the season, but I think we're just trying to get it back. And I think we did get it back against Boise State. Being able to be Boise State was just a big uplift for us. So we're just playing for our pride and obviously a bowl game, but just finishing out for the rest of the seniors and just being able to have a good end on a good season. Zoe, we appreciate the time. We know you're a man who works in the trenches, who is all about that physicality, but there's always time for a minky in your life. Yeah. <laughs> please, please give me a minky. Thank you. Hey, congratulations on a great career. We look forward to watching you on Saturday against Utah Tech. Thank you. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, that was Spencer Linton with Lorenzo Falate. And, and let's be honest, Dave, uh, while we were watching that, you were actually looking at the temperature coming up on Saturday. A high of, what, 35? 35. We may all need some minkies. Yeah, uh, I think we're we'll all kickoff on Saturday. dressed in that. Uh, I, I think his own, and I think his, his greatest game was when BYU beat USC here a few years ago. Yeah. He had a blitz, caused a fumble, and this and that. And then he, then he got dinged up and stayed dinged up. It's fun to see him out there making plays. We joke that he's father time <laughs> on After Further Review because he's been here forever. But it's nice to see him smiling and healthy coming into his last home game on Saturday. And he, and he sounds like he's going to get after it. They're going to get after it. They feel, it feels like everything that Utah Tech hoped didn't exist is existing. BYU may have rediscover their identity against Boise State. They're angry. They haven't played good enough consistently all season to just think they can come out and just do it. So they got hyper-focus, little anger, some motivation to get a bowl game and seniors, and then here comes Utah Tech. That, that there could have been different circumstances that the Trailblazers would have enjoyed yeah. that don't exist now. Well, look, Zoe's one of three senior defensive linemen for sure playing their final game on Saturday. But that position, there's three of the, the juniors slash others list. There's yeah. three other defensive linemen. So there's potential that BYU's defensive line could lose six players from this year's roster. You know, and that, that's been... Throughout most of the year, that's been one of those positions that's really had its ups and downs. Yeah, and I think the good thing moving forward is they have an opportunity to replace those guys with bigger guys. They can't be six foot 275. They got to be 6'5", 310, 300, 290. Because all, a lot this season, they just get pushed back. The tackle's two yards behind them instead of in front of them. And I think it's been a size thing. I think they got to go out and get bigger. And I think that's one of the targets in the in the offseason is the offensive line's big. They're all 6'5 right. and 3 bazillion, but the defensive line is not. That area going into the Big 12 has got to be more stout. And uh, so I salute the guys that are finishing up. It's an opportunity to go and get some more beef that, that can hold up a little better. And that has traditionally, for a Kalani Satake defense, for an Elisa Tuiaki defense, that defensive line, and obviously a lot of what we're talking about, we're talking about their time at Utah, that has always been a position of strength. And, and I mean that as a group, and I also mean right. the guys playing it were big and strong. And, and so, you know, they certainly know what they're doing going out and trying to get these guys for that position. That has been a position they've done very well at. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Over Zoom is former BYU quarterback, standout, and current BYU football radio analyst alongside Greg Rebell. His name is Riley Nelson. 
Riley, welcome to the show on a Friday. It is a football Friday because you're going to watch some high school state championship games in the state of Utah here after you get done with this interview. And then a big day for BYU football tomorrow on Senior Day, if we can call it Senior. What should we call it? Should we call it Senior and Junior Day, given all the unknowns about who's coming back? Uh, how about the last game, the last home game of the 2022 season? That's about, <laughs> that's about <laughs> as succinct as I can put it. Uh, but the reality is it's nice that BYU is in a position. I mean, obviously, it's heavily influenced by COVID and, of course, the advanced age student admissions. But it's nice that BYU is in a position where we have so many underclassmen considering, uh, you know, uh, opportunities beyond BYU. Of course, I hope that they that all of them stay and finish out their career because those you know, they can only uh, build their reputations, but it does speak to the progress of the program because there have been times in the recent past where really no underclassmen, um, it, it wasn't worth anybody's time to consider leaving early. And now we've got a handful of guys. And so that speaks to the talent level of the program. Let's talk about Jaron Hall. Certainly it seems like he's going to be gone. He probably should go given that he's been here, uh, you know, five years and uh, he's had a nice season. He's played through injury, which was kind of the last box for him to check in, in some scouts mind. What do you think of uh, how he's played this year? And is there any shot he comes back or is he just, he's straight gone, homie? Of course, there's a shot he comes back. I mean, priorities. And of course he's got, uh, you know, he's got a wife and a family and, and those kind of things to make considerations. Um, I, when I talked to him before the season even started, he just felt that um, as old as he is and age always being a, you know, a point of conversation or, or really an excuse for talent evaluators in the NFL to kind of downgrade BYU players that, uh, you know, he was going to take an opportunity maybe sooner than later. But I think that I think there's a chance to come back. I'll, I'll, I'll be at a slim chance. I'll, I will say this. Um, you know, I really think Zach Wilson caught lightning in a bottle and, and it ended up being, there were so many unique circumstances around that. I think Jaron's probably a mid round guy, but that's okay. Like the fact that he's draft eligible at all. And even if, even if he slips and goes to an undrafted free agent, he's a guy that he's going to get into a camp with an, an NFL. He's going to, with an NFL franchise, he's going to show his obvious talent and physical skills. But more than that, I think he's going to show that. He's a guy you want in the, the locker room. I mean, much like Taysom Hill, of course, Taysom has freak athletic ability above and beyond like, probably anybody uh, that BYU's put out. And maybe, you know, maybe Ziggy Ansah is a close rival. But but as much as the Saints keep Taysom around for his freak athletic ability, they keep him around because the dude's intelligent. He is, you know, consistent. He's a great locker room guy. He's a great teammate and all those things. Jaron has those qualities as well. Riley Nelson is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Riley, we've talked specifically about Jaron and his future. What are some of the other players that you are wondering if they come back? Or maybe specifically, which players do you think would benefit themselves if they came back instead of, you know, jumping early and going to the NFL? All of them. All of them would benefit early, in my opinion. I don't see, I don't see any chatter from any draft evaluators or any NFL talent evaluators who are just chomping at the bit to take one of these guys in the first two rounds. And the reality is everybody talks like, oh, they got to do what's best for, for their family. Well, the reality is like after taxes, and when you look at contracts and things like that, go all the way back to that ESPN 30 for 30 that was, I think it's like probably eight, nine years old at this point, but called Broke, where uh, it was Bernie Kosar, long time, he was Miami quarterback, then long time Cleveland Browns, like long time starter. The dude was uh, an all pro guy, and he was the one that made the comment. Everyone thinks, there's a bunch of millionaires running around the NFL. It's really a bunch of thousandaires. 
Uh, and look, the reality is that that has changed. The money continues to increase. But as we see, like 60% of the total pot goes to the quarterback, you know, and the rest of the guys are, are yeah, granted, like six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars a year, which is what those mid to late round guys will make is, of course, great money, but it's not life changing money. It doesn't set you up for life. And so, uh, but staying one more year at BYU does two things. One, you can continue to take advantage of the amazing, the, the total institution, the academic and the networking and all of those things to try and set you up for life after football, however long that may be. And two, I think by coming back, you can only improve your drafts. The, these handful of players who might be on this fence, they can only improve their draft stock. I, I'm seeing projections of like mid-round guys. I would not leave her if, if it was me. And of course, I didn't have this opportunity. So it's, it's easy for me to speak hypotheticals. But I would not leave early, mm. barring un- unforeseen circumstances, to be a mid-round draft pick. If I was, if I was a lock to be a first two, I would. But to leave for mid rounds, I wouldn't. And that's you know, how many guys left in the last couple of years to be undrafted free agents and are now like looking for a job? And quite honestly, even though they might not admit it publicly, are probably wishing they would have come back and and played out the full the full uh, extent of their eligibility. I agree with you on most guys. I think Dax Milne was the exception to that rule where the iron was hot. He probably wasn't going to have a better season than that one. Again, he had a nice schedule, took advantage, had great stats, got in the seventh round. Now he's stuck with the commanders. He's the only exception, and uh, you know, selfishly, all of us probably hope all these guys come back. I do want to ask you about Jacob Conover. Um, do we need to see him tomorrow? Because it feels like if he's going to compete for the starting quarterback position next year, and certainly we expect a transfer to come in and uh, compete for that spot as well, don't we need to see him a little bit this year, or or is that no guarantee? Of course, as fans, we feel that need, but no, he doesn't need to play. The reality is seeing him in garbage time against uh, you know FCS backups doesn't really tell you much about what he's going to be as far as uh, as far as his potential as the future leader and and starting quarterback of this program. What what needs to be seen is what's being played on the screen right now. It, What's his dedication day in, day out in practice? How does he perform in spring ball, training camp? And the coaches are getting to see all that. We as fans don't get to see all that. You know, those of us that are lucky enough to be in the media maybe get to catch the last 10 minutes of practice where he might catch a rep or two, right? So we are shielded from the majority of what what that evaluation will be. Uh, as much as I'm excited to see him, uh, the need for Cougar Nation to see him uh, is, I don't think it's something that weighs heavily on the minds of uh, the BYU coaching staff because they know that his evaluation is going on, you know, in the practice facility. Riley, how would you approach the quarterback situation for BYU moving forward next year with Conover there and Cade Fennigan and Sol J. Maiava Peters? But we all think Jaron Hall is going to be gone because of that third to fourth round projection in the NFL. How would you approach it if you're recruiting it and coaching in that room? Go get a transfer, and preferably I'd try and go pick one off who's maybe a backup uh, in the Big 12. Like, that's the conference you're going in, and that's the caliber of player that you need. And uh, you have all unknown. And granted, if you can get a, an, um, an unhappy backup who maybe either hasn't gotten his chance to play or maybe didn't get a full chance but has shown promise and is really hungry to prove himself, you can never have too much talent and especially at the quarterback position. Look at TCU, right? TCU had a fierce quarterback battle. Max Dunnigan had started previously, got beat up for the job. The guy who won it gets hurt in the first game. Max comes in, takes over. What if TCU had been stuck with 
you know, it, it had only been stuck with that first option, the guy who won the job coming out of camp, they wouldn't be having the magical season that they're having. So I think in addition to the guys in the room today, who I have a lot of like, and excuse me, I'm, I'm sure you can hear my children. I'm, I'm sorry. All good. Um, but, this is all about yeah, family on this program. I, I thought yeah, we had right. audio of Cougar Board from the four-game losing streak. That's yeah, my yeah. <laughs> Playing in the background. But look, like it, as much as I am excited for the guys to get their opportunity that are currently there and have stuck it, stuck it out at BYU, uh, you got to go to the – if I'm BYU, priority number one is to go get pass rushers uh, in the transfer portal. Priority number two is go get a quarterback – from a P5, uh, from an already existing P5 in the transfer portal to, if nothing else, increase the competition of that quarterback room. That's uh, one man's opinion. Riley, great stuff. We look forward to your call on BYU Radio tomorrow for the Cougars and Utah Tech. Good luck in the uh, audition for uh, Creed 4. <laughs> Yeah. I, I was thinking Home Alone 5 as the, as the <laughs> reincarnation of the Wet Bandits. Marv, yeah. A Marv! Riley Nelson, a member of the Wet Bandits. <laughs> now we know everywhere you've been. <laughs> hey, great to talk to you, Always man. a pleasure, fellas. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Oh, Super Saturday approaches, everyone. BYU football will kick things off quite literally. 3.30 Eastern live on BYU TV. And BYU men's basketball taking care of business against Nichols State in the Marriott Center later that night. Now, football and basketball in mind, Jerem, they're going to be heavy favorites in both of these games. So the question for this Friday before the Super Saturday is, is it 17-plus or bust for both BYU football and basketball tomorrow? I say yes, uh, because in football, certainly against an FCS opponent with a losing record, you respect what Utah Tech's done the last three games. They were 1-6. They won three in a row. They're putting up 40-plus uh, you know, a game the last couple. They're giving up a lot as well. Certainly, we expect BYU at home, despite the struggles at 5-5, five and five, to win this game handily. Uh, yes, so 17-plus there. Oh, no, James, it's 17-plus. The curse has I been I said invoked. that against South Florida, and that's the only game where it's happened. I haven't said it since. Although I did say Oregon 10-plus, but I didn't say the 17-plus. You didn't say it against Utah State. I'm pretty sure you said it against did Utah State. Did I say it against State. Utah State? <laughs> okay, you're right. I probably said it against Utah State. Nichols. Uh, Ken Palm says that is, that's an 18-point win by BYU. Okay. So the metrics okay. are saying, yes, 95% chance to win, 85 from BPI, 90 from team rankings. Yes. But both teams need to blow a fool out here. Come on. And, and men's hoops needs that comfortable win. If BYU men's hoops, again, for a third straight home game, plays a close game where they need a bucket in the final 12 seconds, there's a massive issue. Because I've said, like, the way BYU is playing right now, in the two home games in particular, not at San Diego State. That was a nice showing despite the loss. There is a moral victory element to that because we don't know what to expect from this team. Is Okay, through three games, we always a fringe NIT team at the moment. I'm not talking NCAA tournament. I'm talking NIT. Uh, they got to play better at home, take care of business. Missouri State was better than Idaho State for sure. But uh, BYU makes a play to win. That's great. But they need to start making strides where – they play, they play better because next week in men's hoops is the hardest three-game stretch of the entire season. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's USC, it's Tennessee or Butler, 
And then it's like a Dayton, Wisconsin, Kansas type team on the other end, depending how the Cougars do. In the Bahamas. Probably not Kansas. And the Bahamas. So, yes, 17 plus for both is the expectation. Wow. Okay. I mostly agree with you in that BYU needs to win convincingly on both sides, certainly with football. Although Malcolm Ross Turner, the Utah Tech wide receiver, would have you believe that Utah Tech's going to bring it and give BYU a close game. No. BYU needs to take care of business to get bowl eligible. 17-plus needs to happen. Yes. Like, bookend. um, Well, I shouldn't say bookend because they still have Stanford. But South Florida to begin and Utah Tech almost at the end of the season in the penultimate game. Book it, like essentially bookend it with big time wins, like yeah. convincing wins. Leave no doubt by the yeah. late in the second quarter. Big time only in margin, not in the game. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, yeah. just leave no doubt where BYU's up 28 to 3 at halftime or like, 31 to nothing. We at need halftime. to see Jacob Conover tomorrow. Please. The game needs to be out of hand to the point where he plays. More on that coming up. I don't want Jaron Hall and Puka Nakua and all of these guys that BYU relies so heavily on to have to play late into this game. No, that'd be terrible. Listen, Utah Tech's got a good offense. For sure. Joey Hobart, uh, Wazoo transfer. Dude's got 1,000-plus yards, like 14 touchdown catches. Um, they've, they've got a nice run game as well. Sure. Joey can get his touchdown, and BYU can win 49-7. to All good. I want 60. <laughs> like I, We haven't seen it from this team, just that explosion of offense outside of the first quarter against USF. So it'd be nice to see that because this team is capable. Yes. Utah Tech is growing as a program, transitioning from D2 to D1, FCS, WAC team. Funny that they're in the same league that BYU, like, made a name yeah, for itself. Yeah. Like, BYU won a national title in that league. Is Carl Benson still the commission, by the way? <laughs> I have no idea. Is he still? Does anyone know that? Is that a thing you can look up on the internet? I look it up on Twitter, but I don't know if it'll be there when I check. BYU's coming off of a bye. Speaking of football. I heard that. Okay. I'm not buying the rust. Like you can't have rust. You it. can't have rust against Utah Tech. You gotta come out and be sharp against Utah Tech. Especially yes. when you have Jaron Hall, a NFL draft pick in the third round projected as your quarterback. And you're throwing to Puka Nakua and you have one of the best offensive lines in the country. Or so we thought and we still think to a degree, right? Uh like, BYU's good. Are they, like, the 22nd? Regardless. I don't know. Okay. One of the better offensive EFF, lines EFF, you tell me. I don't know. The Cougars need to take care of business at home tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I, it, I don't want this to be even close to 17-plus. Like, it, so it, it, it If it's 17, 17 I have an issue. All right. If it's, like, 27 to 10. Mm. No, BYU needs to be in the 50s at least. <sighs> like, so you're not, at home. I, it's, it's an FCS foe not named... Uh, North Dakota State, you know what I mean? I would say James Madison, but they're FBS now. Just leave no doubt by halftime. That's what I'm hoping for. Make, make sure that this game is, like, in hand for yes. the most part by halftime. And, so. and, and Kalani, like, BYU puts up points. Honestly, he's too nice. Like, in these games, he'll pull off the pedal midway through the third where BYU just runs it. It's like, you know what we need to see in tomorrow's game and over – analyze it, is Ang- Jacob Conover. I was going to say, angry Kalani? <laughs> well, angry Kalani hopefully doesn't show up tomorrow, right? We don't want anybody angry. We want, hopefully, everyone's cool. Touche. Um, yeah, and, and BYU's welcoming back a couple of BYU guys that uh, have played for the Cougars sure. at Utah Tech. And Loney, uh, you know, Hebron Fangupo goes by Loney and, and Shane Hunter and Jameson Clark. Shane's uh, Steve Clark's son is the coach over there. And others, like... Paul Peterson was on the BYU staff as, as an analyst back in 06 and 07. He's the head coach. So there are connections, right? 
which by the way, Justin Anderson and Patrick Hickman and uh, BYU staffers and um, Shane Hunter, they're going to wear Virginia uh, attire, which all the coaches that were on the staff at Virginia around the country, there are nine different teams, they're going to wear Virginia stuff tomorrow. Great sign of respect. So when you see Virginia there, you know why. Great uh, sign of respect. To honor, obviously, the, the three fallen players from Sunday night's tragedy. Sure, I love, love that That's so cool. much. This, this game needs to be one where BYU dominates. And, and honors the seniors, we all feel good, and then we come to basketball. I need to give you where I differ with you on the opinion of 17-plus as it pertains to basketball. Because BYU okay. has beaten Idaho State and now Missouri State closely, I feel like it's a little unfair for us to expect 17-plus in that regard. I do expect, however, a double-figures win. Like, BYU needs to beat Nickel State by at least 10 points. Nickel State lost to Arizona by 42 on the road. They lost to Wyoming by 11 on the road. I think BYU is a better basketball team than Wyoming, or at least on par with Wyoming right now. BYU needs to win by 10 or 11 points at the worst. Not quite 17-plus, but a double-figures win. Like, let's get it done for that, sure. That'd be enough, but it's not enough to make you feel confident going into the Bahamas. Is there anything that BYU could do tomorrow to make Brandon, you feel confident going into Brandon, the Bahamas? Like, teams have lost weird games. Like, Utah lost to Sam Houston State. A bye game. Utah paid Sam Houston yeah. State to come and play in Salt Lake City and lost. Always crazy. Okay, the epitome top- of brutality, as John Rothstein calls it. Yes. Yeah, bring in the Rothstein one-liners. That's so corny. <laughs> Topic two, game day guarantees. It's time for your BYU Sports Nation game day guarantees. Guarantees. Yeah, right. To be wrong. Okay, here we go. On the season, Mike's Spence. still on? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's still yeah, on. Mike's yeah, still we're, on. We're moving on. Yeah. Uh, Spence is 16 for 30. I'm 8 for 30. Yeah, yeah. Ben. How about that, Ben? I'm over 50%. <laughs> Supposed to be guaranteed. We were both we we're both bad. Okay, number one. BYU wins by 17 plus. Oh, just okay, just right. one time. It's happened this year. It's going to happen for a second team. Yes, time. yes. I mean, Two, Jacob Conover plays in the game. This seems like no dub, but he's only played one snap all year. It was against Arkansas. One okay. snap. Okay. Okay, and three, Utah Tech will have fewer than 400 yards. Please. Why do, why do I say this? Please. Because BYU's 5-0 and when it allows sub 400, and 0-5 oh and, uh, when allowing more. That has been, like, the yard benchmark. It's not causation. It's correlation. But it's, uh, it's interesting. Perhaps it is because yards lead to points. If Utah Tech has more than 400 total yards, there's a serious that's issue. There's a serious issue. They've got 28 the points in the game. Exactly. And Jaron Hall and Puka Nakua are on the field in the fourth quarter. Hopefully they have 700. Into yards. a shootout. 49 42. No, it, it could be like 49 20, 28. I don't want it you to know be that. I, mean? I don't want it to be that. Depends, All right. Yeah. Game day guarantee number one BYU will have at least 21 points by halftime. Now I picked, oh, guaranteed. I picked yep. 21 guaranteed. because, again, Utah Tech wide receiver Malcolm Turner-Ross said, maybe BYU will score 21 for the game. No, no. We're, we're giving him 21 we're giving him way too at much halftime. PT here. Well, I want Bolton more. I want BYU to come out and play angry. If BYU needs that. No, I want it. Stink. I want it. Number two, five different players for BYU will attempt at least one rush in this game. Yeah, that's guaranteed. Well, Chris Brooks isn't going to play. Mason Fakahua has been banged up. Wait, so. Brooks isn't playing? I don't, I don't think he's going to play. Oh, Harvey Ungas said. He said he's available. Yeah. I don't think he's going to play oh, based okay. on what Aaron Rodgers told me last week. Oh. I don't think so. So I think we'll see Hinkler Rapati, uh, Lopini Katoa, Miles Davis, and then. Jaron Hall. Jaron Hall, and then maybe a wide and receiver flexes and then, back. Uh, and then a jet sweep. Right, yeah. So I'm hoping five different players will attempt at least one rush in this game. I think it's I hope we see more. Fair. I and hope then we see some more. dude we've never heard of. Okay. Number three, Utah Tech will score 17 or fewer points. In light of the 
Emphasis on 17 points today. It's a prime number, Spence. 49-17 is what I'm hoping for. Something close to that, Jeremy. Or less, 49 to 10. That, I'll take that. Oh, it's 70 to nothing. <laughs> I'll no, take that. No, too. Utah Tech's got a good offense. They're gonna score. They're gonna score two plus times. Let's go. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Head coach Ed Eystone joining us on BYUSN. Ed, uh, it's great to have you on the show, man. What, what a time for BYU athletics, as, and specifically for your cross-country programs, as you, again, are in the elite class competing for a national championship. What's different about this year's team as you prepare for tomorrow? Well, this is probably my deepest men's team that I've had. You know, one through seven, just uh, talented guys, really every one of them capable uh, on a good day to finish in the top 40, which is first team All-American. And we're just keeping our fingers crossed that we can do that all in the same race uh, tomorrow and, uh, and battle for a, a spot on the podium and hopefully up high on that podium. Those are the expectations for this team. Is that the uh, book of Abraham behind you? What do we have going on today? <laughs> I'm just staying at the Holiday Inn Express, uh, <laughs> and this is some great, some great uh, artwork that we have here in the background. Oh, we, <laughs> we, we love the hotel artwork on a Zoom. It's part of uh, the program. It really is. Okay, you guys the have light, already... The lighting, the lighting <laughs> is really good in here, too. And the like lighting's it. tremendous. It's all good. Um, yeah, it's all good. You guys have already run this course, the Griner Family OSU Cross Country course, um, what, what, like a month ago or something? What kind of benefit will that uh, be for your team? Yeah, well, we were fortunate that we came out here early in the year when it was a little warmer than uh, 30 degrees, and we put together a very good, solid team performance and, and won the, uh, the Cowboy Jamboree uh, and beat some very good teams in the process. But we'll have to take on those same teams uh tomorrow and uh some of those teams were holding out one or two guys earlier on so uh they'll be at full capability but uh then again i think we're uh you know six weeks fitter more fit than we were um and so um the the, the nice thing about running this course before is it's probably one of the more challenging courses this is the um a course that uh, connor mance won his first national championship on uh, for the 2020 season, which was actually March of 2021 because of COVID. Um, and, uh, you know, it's going to take some of that Connor Mance sort of grit and determination to uh, get up and down those hills tomorrow. But I think my, my men are prepared, and, and Coach Taylor has done a good job getting her women in, in good shape as well. Yeah, one of those men and one of your All-Americans, Casey Klinger, finished eighth at Nationals last year. What are your expectations for him on this course tomorrow as he tries to lead this team to prominence again? Well, he is our team leader. And, and obviously, anytime you, you lose a two-time national champ like a Connor Mance, somebody has to step up. And the thing I love about Casey Klinger is he has been there laboring in the shadows somewhat of Connor Mance, but in, is an outstanding runner in his own right. And I think um, – with, with this year, I think um, Casey has just taken on that mantle of leadership that, that comes with your kind of number one man. Uh, and the true mark of a champion is consistency. Uh, and I think race in, race out, he has demonstrated that consistency. He's kind of the man that we look to 
to lead our 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 team, our our forces. Uh, and uh, and people know he's just going to have a good race regardless. And then everyone else just needs to, uh, you know, put their uh, race together as well. And um, but so that the, the interesting thing is there's some outstanding people that are this, this is a with Connor Mance out of the action and, and without a dominant Kenyan, um, you know, winning all of the major invitationals thus far. It's, you know, it's been there's been some parity up front. And so even though there are some outstanding runners from Stanford and Oklahoma State, um, NAU, of course, has, a, has an individual, and Nico Young, that many are saying could be the individual champion. Uh, Casey Klinger has beaten them all uh, individually at various times. And so even though I don't know that many of the pundits are, are saying that he's somebody who could do that, uh, I think... He's certainly someone who is capable of putting himself in the in the hunt, and, and that's what you would expect from your team leader, your guy up front. He was eighth last year. Uh, I we would hope that he can improve on that this year, um, and so we're looking for a great race from him and and leading the rest of our um, you know seven man team to uh, to a good performance. Let's talk about some of the others uh, besides Casey Klinger, Brandon Garnick, obviously Christian Allen, the Weber State transfer, and, and the Thompson Twins, and Joey Noakes, and Kenneth Rooks. Like, who among those guys do you feel like will really help get some points for this group? Well, I think for us to uh, have a chance to, again, end up on the podium and end up high up on that podium, uh, we need to have some uh, some good competition up front. And, and so uh, the the Two of the guys you mentioned, Brandon Garnica and Christian Allen, are guys who have been uh, capable of being, you know, finishing in the top 20. Uh, if we can get three, if we could get uh, Casey in the top 10 and then Brandon and Christian in the top 15 of this outstanding field, then we could have three up front that might match up with Stanford's top three. Stanford, on paper, uh, again, the reason why people have seen have been saying that Stanford is going to win this thing is they have three guys that really could finish in the top 10. If we can have three guys finish, uh, somehow break them up or, or at least one or two guys break that up and then have good compression between our four, five, six, seven. And by compression, I just mean, you know, just a couple seconds between those guys and, um, and, and, and then end up running ahead of their, uh, four or five runners, and put, if I can put seven guys ahead of their fifth runner, or even six guys ahead of their fifth runner, then I think we have a chance. Coach, let's finish with a question about the women and Diljeet Taylor, who uh, is doing a fantastic job with the women's program. What are the expectations for Diljeet and her team? Uh, they finished second last year. They go in ranked number seven. So what are the expectations right now? Well, I think with the ranking of number seven, I think that Diljeet has done an amazing job in her last seven years of always having her national meet be the best meet of the year. So I know that even though this is a different team than the team that won the championship or finished second in the championship, she does a very good job of getting her people uh, ready and prepared for race day. And so even though she probably wouldn't say this, I think that they are capable of things break the right way of uh, scrapping and, and battling and doing the best they can to, to get on that podium as well. Top four position, I think she would be ecstatic about. Um, 
But um, again, there's a lot of parody out there. And I don't think she, I don't think we've seen the best race out of her women yet, because strategically she has rested some and uh, and kind of put waited to put her, together her best seven for um, for this championship race. He is our hotel art curator at Stone, also a fantastic human being and fantastic cross country coach. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma to share with your teams. Good luck in Oklahoma. We will be watching closely tomorrow, Coach. Thank you, guys. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio. BYU.